Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Better Board Games podcast. It feels like it's been forever since we've recorded. It really hasn't been that long. I just I think I've just I been missing no how long Evan. Been. Hey, I miss you too. We don't we me and McKay don't talk a ton outside of recording, which is kind of sad. And I think we probably should because we don't record often enough to really have, you know, to be satisfied. Like we want to hang out more, but it's true. But the other cool part of that is you don't miss much of our conversations. So really, you're it's, you're along for the ride. It's really, really true. Um, yeah, today we're talking about how to teach a game. There are so many things that we can do as hosts um, to be better at this. And I think that hopefully me and McKay have something to say on the matter. We have t- taught a lot of different games a lot of different times. Um, hopefully we could give you some good advice um, good things to think about and some fundamentals um on the topic yeah uh we're very excited so we'll jump into it And I guess, I mean, we don't really need to give credentials because we've never credentialed ourselves through this entire process. It's no secret. We are not qualified to give any of this advice necessary. I mean, I guess we're maybe as qualified as anyone could be. We're, <laughs> we're avid gamers, right? Yeah, exactly. But um, I will say it seems like people often will tell me that I teach games well. That's not me trying to brag or boast, but it is something that I've... I've put a lot of effort into being aware of how people respond to different teaching methods. Um, I've experimented and revised. I mean, I, I teach a, a game schooling class where I'm constantly uh, explaining semi-complicated games to, I mean, seven, seven plus year olds. Um, so I do feel like I've developed a little bit of a science behind it. And I know um Evan and I have talked a lot about we're primarily the people that introduce games in our social circles. The um, the assumption is that most of our audience as well, um, the people in sort of like the board game content industry, like people who consume the content, most of them are that as well. So um, we're assuming that we're talking to people who are similar to us, which is that um, we're all in love with board games and want to share them with people and teaching them how to play is step two. Step one is getting them to be interested. Step two is actually teaching them, which means it's a pretty important part of the entire experience. Um, If yeah, after you convince them to play, if you fail to teach them well, and then it's, it might just be all over from there. Evan, have you ever had a game night ruined by just a botched teaching or somebody taught you a game very poorly and afterward you thought honestly that seemed like a game that i should have liked but i spent half the game being confused and frustrated over it i'm pretty resilient as a player so like if i'm being taught something i'll either be fine if it's taught poorly or figure it out on my own um but um that's because i'm i don't know I'm resilient. I don't know. I, but I think the average person is, um, maybe less so. So I have had many times, I wouldn't say ruined, but in maybe failing to teach perfectly or seeing someone else fail to teach perfectly, the game experience 
might be um, essentially ruined for one player from the get go. Yeah. And the it's not that the night is ruined, but um, if one player's entire experience of the game is worse because the t- game wasn't taught well, then it's like that's actually let's try to avoid that. So yeah. I, I really genuinely believe that this moment, this fifteen minute period of time depending on you know how long the game is how hard it is to teach is crucial um and a lot of like a lot of people can get what is the word their mood might get sullied because Mm -hmm. the game is taught well and they're made to feel dumb they can't understand it um they aren't sure what's going on they can't get connect with the theme of the game whatever reason and from then on they just never really bounce back and the game is not fun the entire time um and i've seen that happen and i've seen it happen the other way around where someone was maybe even hesitant at first and then if it's taught well that they actually can engage with the game and it is way more fun so i basically just really think that this is super super important for um for the for it to go right um and it can change it can change a player's entire opinion on how that game was and if they want to play again. Yeah. Just whether or not you teach it well. I totally agree. And there's also a lot of things that can, a lot of difficult situations that can be avoided by a proper teaching of the game. Um, There's, I'm sure we've all experienced Mm -hmm. this, that you teach somebody a game, you get halfway through and they're like, I didn't know about that rule. And I'm like, every time I know, I definitely know I told you. The worst is but, when this is side tangent. The worst is when they say that and they're like, "You never, you never told me that." And you're like, <laughs> "I, I'm certain I did." Um, sorry, because it it gets lost in the mm-hmm. you know the bushes of there's just so many things. Yeah, there's just a saying. lot. So it's like no, there's no blame, except for there is blame on the person teaching the game. I was gonna <laughs> say I would I I take responsibility in that moment. That yeah, either means true. that I glanced over the rule a little bit too quickly um or that i didn't more yes totally i and i do agree that that is is essentially your responsibility i oh we'll talk about this later so never mind i had a thought thought. that was profound (laughs) the uh stay tuned for evan's uh thought um all right so let's go ahead um it's kind of funny because there's usually this moment before I teach a game where I everybody's there at the table waiting to learn. And I usually will say, hold on just a second while I evaluate the best way to present this information yeah. to you. I'm feeling That's that fun. right now because <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts on the topic. And this is un- <laughs> unlike teaching games. This is one area that we haven't had a lot of practice <laughs> in explaining to other people how to teach a game. So forgive me for being meta for a minute, but um, we are going to try to present all of this information and all the things we've thought about, all the notes we've taken. Uh, we're going to try and present it to you in a way that is easy to follow and makes a lot of sense, but bear with us. <laughs> this is funny because if we do a bad job at this, then, <laughs> then it nullifies nothing, everything right? we said. It's all for nothing. <laughs> and it's great. So me and um, McKay, our process for kind of creating a podcast episode from start to finish is very much what do we want to talk about today (laughs) and then we go uh let's do this and we're like sure and then we talk a little bit about it 
basically and then we hit record some of them we would prepare more for a lot of times we have an idea and we're like we should probably not do that today because i think we should think about it longer but this was one of the episodes that we really didn't prepare much for which is ironic um and you'll see why i mean but that's that's teaching a game right like you do you have knowledge but as far as like how you're going to teach these people in this situation and in this circumstance it does shift a lot. And I think that was one of the first things we said it when is, we were I, kind of taking notes. I think it's the first thing that is important to mention. So that's a great segue. Um, you have to know who you're playing with. You have to know the players, your gaming group, what they're like, what they need, what they require. Every single player learns things differently because human beings all have different learning styles. Obviously, you're not going to necessarily need to survey everyone who's going to be at the game night like what's your learning style give me an in-depth thing but you might upon multiple plays with these people realize oh this person actually wants a deeper explanation of the game before jumping in because it helps them and then other people might be like i actually need to jump into the game as soon as possible because it helps them and obviously it's difficult to balance pr prioritizing everyone's needs but mm -hmm. being aware of them helps you to accommodate to them and it really will likely end up changing the way that you teach someone a game just by considering who you're teaching in the first place yeah if you are the person that teaches a game regularly and especially if it's a regular game group it is absolutely worth your time and energy to think about how these people learn games um we have a regular gaming group, a husband and wife that come over and play after the kids are in bed. And um, it's they have very different learning yeah. styles between the two of them. One yeah. asks a lot of questions every time they see a new symbol or a new keyword or anything like that. There's like uh, an immediate like, OK, and what does this do? Whereas yeah. <laughs> the other one definitely wants to take it slow and just like, yeah, hear nice. hear you out and then just say all right let's start and we'll try it and i'll ask questions if i have them and those are two wildly different styles yeah. not only understanding the way someone learns games individually but also with considering um essentially the players at the table what do they already know because you you and i both understand and i'm sure most of you listening understand that really complicated games are much less complicated to learn if you've learned other games essentially mm -hmm. because game mechanics are building blocks and complex games are if you understand all of the building blocks such as say you're playing lost ruins of arnok mm -hmm. if 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 you already know how to play um as an example lords of waterdeep and star realms that would be a lot easier of a game to learn and the reason is um, if you don't know, Lost Runes of Arnok is a worker placement game and a deck building game. Mm -hmm. The building blocks of that game are a lot less complex than the sum of their parts, essentially. Because mm -hmm. learning, having to teach someone what a deck building game is and what a worker placement game is adds to the cognitive load. So what, what I'm essentially getting at is if you can know what games people already know, you can cut out the um those sort of you could just basically make it simpler um mm -hmm. and more importantly if you know what games they don't know if, if you know these players have no idea what deck building games are don't say it's a, it's a simple deck building game and then just move on you have to then go 
and explain what that actually means. So mm -hmm. a lot of times I think it's easy to glance over rule concepts because you think, oh, everyone already knows this. And it's just an assumption. And it's not even, it's probably a subconscious thought. But even like the reality is you could be playing a game with someone and you have to explain to them what drawing a card is. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know. The, that's obviously a really common one. But like if they don't know that and you say, then you draw cards and then they go and then they don't know what that means. And then you move on. They're going to mm -hmm. be much more lost. So just be aware of what you're saying, who you're saying it to, and make sure that what you're saying actually makes sense to everybody because it's easy to make assumptions. So the main thought is don't assume f foreknowledge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very true. And along with that, I... I, you would be surprised how many games have been taught to me where we got to the end of the explanation and I had to ask, so how does one win the game? <laughs> Which you would think that... What am I actually trying to do? Exactly, but it kind of makes sense when you think about why that happens is because we really need to go out of our way to start at the end of the game. If we've yeah. played the game many times before, our minds are processing or like regurgitating this information in the process in which we're like kind of visually playing it out in our minds. But when we're teaching somebody, you actually need to take a step back and start with the end in mind and start with, okay, so how we're going to win or how somebody is going to win is by doing this. And then you literally step through the game backwards. That does two things that are actually really important. One, it gives them a way to frame every new piece of information and how it fits into the larger goal. And you end up ending on the information that is the most immediately relevant. So they're when they stop, although they haven't, they may be forgetting a little bit, like all of the right. steps toward the end. It actually doesn't matter as much because they're going to start seeing the process of the game and how it works and how those um, rules are going to roll out in scope of the larger goal. And so it's really, <clears throat> I, I can't say that every game is best taught that way, because I think there are some that I may not do that way. But in general, I think it's best to start at the end of the game, what the end of the game is going to look like, when it's going to end, how people are going to win, and then step back to and this is how you take a turn and let's go. Yeah, um, I think that's super important. I almost would say maybe not exactly always the how to win goal, but but more a sort of more larger scope. What is the goal of the game? Obviously, a lot of games, as an example, are like the goal of the game. Like you win by having the most points. But telling them that doesn't really get much done. But instead, if you tell them something like the goal of the game is to build the you know, best farm that has the mm -hmm. most um, well interlocking pieces to, um, you know, produce the most crops so that you can sell them. And what, so I don't know, that's just a random example. I don't even know what game I'm talking about. <laughs> probably, probably Agricola. I haven't even played it though. <laughs> probably. But it, that's probably, don't you do that in Agricola? I don't know. I don't know. I've never played Agricola. Something to do with farms. Um, I have played the two player version, but only on my phone. So okay. that doesn't really matter. But, um, <laughs> Basically, just consider someone who's walking to a game for the first time. Like, what do they need to know to start understanding the game right there, sitting at the table for the first time? And it's usually not exactly always 
the win condition explanatory can i use an example of a game that the rules themselves this wasn't a game that was taught to me i i read the rules and taught myself Mm -hmm. and they did it very poorly um and i'm gonna rag on a game just a little bit here Uh and i've gotten a lot of flack for ragging on this game in the past because i did not have a good time um so just know i say all these things knowing that some people really love this game and if you love this game it's absolutely okay and i'm I'm not saying i've played it i think you might have um fog of love at a horrible time with it um and i think the reason was it was about three quarters of the way through the game and i was like what are we doing here like what is the point of this game (laughs) because i kept like thinking through it and i was like wait we're trying to arrive at like the same ending i think i think we're trying to do that and i think if we do that then we tie so how do i get the upper hand here and if you were if you're unfamiliar with fog of love it's not it's you can almost not call it a game it's like a role-playing experience yeah it's very very obscure yes Um, i think that you're right that it's close to not being a game it's also cooperative it sounds like you were playing it as if it was competitive it's definitely not 100 cooperative you get individualized like points but if you end up together it's very likely that you've ended up with the same number i think if i don't I remember, remember exactly. right um but your your main point stands that the goal was almost obs- not obscure but like vague yes and, and it took me a long time really difficult to actually engage with the game yes rightly um i don't i also don't want to rag on fog of love and i totally get the appeal i it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me it's a it's actually literally under my bed right now i could see it from here um because i want to sell it and i couldn't really like i didn't try very hard but anyways <laughs> so i i feel like I, I feel like i need to explain the game a little bit more and how it goes you're basically playing out a rom-com of sorts um you and another player um you have little like things little dials that you're manip not dials uh little trackers that you're manipulating upping your different traits as a human being um and then you're presented with like basically relationship questions between you and the other person if you answer along the same lines then you kind of like come into sync if you don't then you i don't know you mess with these trackers and your goal and see that's the thing there's no win state there's no lose state it's just playing out a story to see if you and the other person end up together and mm-hmm. at the end, the end of the story may be, no, you weren't compatible. Your relationship ends and you both go your separate ways. And that's not a lose state necessarily. It's just. That's I guess how it depends on your ended. philosophy on dating. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did you lose or did you just uh, <laughs> find out that they weren't the one? <laughs> um, so anyways, um, all of that to say. It is incredibly helpful learning a game to know what the point is, what you're trying to accomplish. It's the same as doing any task, really, like anything that you're trying to do or learn to do. You got to know what the what the goal is. What are you trying to actually aim for? Um, That will really help, Mm -hmm. I think. 
Yeah. So I have one on this list that I personally identify with. So Evan, you might be able to reel me back to reality a little bit. Um, I lean into the story heavily, personally. Um, I recently taught Floriferous uh, to a group of like six-year-olds, which I think the age grade is like 10 to 13 or something. But um, and it's a very simple game of just like, yeah, move your pawn here and you take the card of the place where you moved. I found it very helpful to pl- to talk through the game that you are making three circles around the flower patch and you're collecting flowers along the way. And each each time you like move to a new row, you collect a flower. There was one thing that I didn't even realize until I was teaching the game. And I really hope that the designer had thought through this because it was such uh-huh. a beautiful moment in the garden are um, flower arrangements. And the whole goal of the game is to make the most impressive flower arrangements. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, why are there flower arrangements inside the garden? Because you don't, you pick them up and then you try and fulfill them. They're basically goal cards that you're yeah. collecting as you walk through the flower garden. And it just like a light bulb turned on. I was like, these are like inspiration. As you're walking through, you think of this beautiful flower arrangement. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then if you can collect the flowers to actually bring it to pass then um then you get the points indicated yeah. on the card and little things like that where it could have been like a weird like moment of friction um because the story and the mechanics all made sense together it was kind of this nice like aha moment where it just made so much sense that you would go you would pick up these goal cards alongside the things that fulfill the goals and make them work together so I'm a huge fan of when mechanics accurately support the story. And I think it it helps minimize the questions. You'll find that people will say like, oh, but in this case, can you do this? And then they'll usually answer their own question. They'll be like, oh, no, because that wouldn't make sense. You can't do like if we're playing out a scenario, you wouldn't be able to do that. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I actually strongly agree. I think that there's a caveat, which is some games. It's pretty unhelpful. Um, and some players don't care so um, that's it but like most of the time this is actually something that I would say we said start with the goal as soon as we said that I was like actually I think you need to start by like getting them ready and getting them excited because if you start with the goal they're gonna be like all right here we go time to learn a game but if you start with kind of getting them immersed in the game's world the game's like even something like so we're gonna we're all gardeners and we're walking around a garden collecting flowers to create a bouquet or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that immediately makes like engages something in your heart or your imagination or your you know something that you might love, um, and that chord getting struck sets you up to be much more resilient to any learning difficulties, and it even will like you said it will actually help you to process through the rules. Um, so for two, I think those are the two main reasons. First of all, it makes someone excited. And when a player is excited to learn a game, they're going to be able to do it. They're going to be much more set up to learn it. And a lot of times, literally like and most people, anyone who's tried teaching a game knows and anyone who has talked to anyone knows that it's actually common for people to dread learning games. Mm-hmm. Like that feeling of hearing someone talk about a bunch of jargon that like they can't quite understand and then they just are hearing it and they don't actually have any way to learn it well 
and then they feel dumb and they're asking questions that make them feel more dumb and all this stuff is exhausting for a lot mm -hmm. of people and so the idea of it is like they're basically i don't want to play a game i don't know um but when you when you can engage their imagination strike a chord in them then all of a sudden that kind of dissolves a little bit that angst that dread and that fear and it's it's not you know the catch all end all like now you could do whatever you want mm -hmm. and it's, the game will be taught well but it it just helps so much um to prepare people for what something that they used to dread which which if you can imagine the difference that will make on your game night it's it's huge because yeah if you start something with a dreadful feeling it's really hard to get out of that sometimes anything you're doing yeah um i so that's yeah it's crazy i actually think it would be pretty fun to just practice like your el not it's kind of like an elevator pitch of a game but yeah. like your setup for a game like you describing floriferous just then was like ah that sounds really nice yeah and so you should have that ready <laughs> for any given game and that that actually kind of i think leads to what i would say is another really important thing to consider is to be prepared mm -hmm. um it, part of the problem that people typically run into when teaching a game and for people who are trying to learn games, part of the problem is that it's chaotic. Learning a game's rules and complex systems is naturally chaotic because there's mm -hmm. so much going on and it's really hard to piece it all together. So you want to eliminate any bit of chaos you possibly can before people are learning so yeah. that when they're learning, they're actually in a good environment to learn well. So that thing means a few things. First of all, learn the game if you can help it before yeah. as much play as you through can it. probably play through it solo if you can there are some examples like for instance if i get a new game and i'm hanging out with my brother then like we can maybe learn it together and figure it out and it won't be a you know bad experience um but if i'm like hey i have this new game let's play it at game night this week or whatever learn it be prepared be ready because the worst thing in the world is when you don't actually know what's going on someone asks a question and you have to go um let me check. And then it just cuts all momentum. It cuts everyone's like mm -hmm. desire to learn in half. It makes it just so much harder to actually get the game flowing because that's actually it's pretty really bad. Important it's pretty bad. So be prepared. Learn the game. Mm -hmm. I also think it's it, in some situations, it could even be good to set the game up before people show up. Mm -hmm. The other element of chaos that happens a lot is you're trying to explain the game while you're setting it up. And that doesn't work. It's so just this is terrible. this is one that Evan and I actually had not a not conflicting views, but um, <clears throat> two different options that we came up with. A because, sort of dichotomy of yeah, yeah. To look at it. <clears throat> so, and we both agree with each other. And I think it really depends on the game. Some games yep. are enough to set up enough things that need to be put in places that it helps to have it set up, and maybe even like halfway through the game type scenario so that you can see things you can move things around this is gonna have to be on you to decide how best to teach um, yep. that way but i also think and this is this comes back to knowing the person yeah there are lots of times when i have all the pieces of the game out and they're just ping-ponging from like and what does this do and what about when does this come in and it's just like you can't keep them focused on a single element yeah <laughs> 
I've actually found it very helpful to have everything in the box off to the side. And if the game setup isn't that complicated, take it out one piece at a time. Take out the board, lay it out like this is the board. On this board, you'll see each player has their own area or home base. You'll see that these little areas and then start explaining icon by icon until everything on the board has been covered. Then it's like, we're going to see these cards. This is what these cards are. Let me show you a couple examples of what these cards do so that it's not just like that visual and crazy, uh, like overstimulated sense of here's all of these components and we're going to cover it all. Just bear with me. And I think it helps some people just quiet their minds and just kind of focus on one thing at a time. Yep. So uh, ultimately, it's the same. It's a different solution to the same problem, which is, right. again, the chaotic elements of the teaching experience. Try to make things as simple as possible so that which, players can, can start to learn. Well. If you want to if you want to take a dive into the mind of somebody who doesn't play games super often watch the episode of parks and rec where um ben does <laughs> ben explains the cones of dunshire and i love that do you know you know what i thought when i saw that for the first time this what? was like before i was into board games i was like that sounds so fun <laughs> that's all i thought I, I played board games with my family and stuff and even some decent hobby games growing up like shadows over camelot or yeah Munchkin was one of them not necessarily a decent game but <laughs> anyways <laughs> Shadow of the Camelot's good. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to play it. Yeah, and that's but that's like what is but going yeah, yeah. on in most people's heads when you start explaining yep. game or, is like it's chaos. It's chaos. Or look at um, a um, like pilot like manual, like how yeah. to be a, a pilot. <laughs> or or D and D five E if you're not if you're not familiar with D and D, just crack open one of those books and start looking at the charts for the monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything that makes you go, I literally have no idea what's going on because um, us board gamers can forget that like it's there's so much jargon. It's again like I was saying, it's all building blocks. It's honestly like learning a language, and so mm -hmm. I can go and learn any given complex board game much easier than even like someone who doesn't play board games can learn like wingspan right yeah. like and obviously wingspan is way simpler than you know too many bones but but i like know, <laughs> everything simpler than too many bones i will say i actually have had trouble learning too many bones <laughs> oh my gosh it is the most difficult game it's, i've ever had to learn it's kind of insane like uh, not only is the rule like mage knight was really like fun complicated and <laughs> yeah oh, spirit island yeah. is a walk in the park yeah that's that's also i have so many questions about spirit island spirit <laughs> i think island i play it wrong every single time <laughs> spirit island is simple all you have to know is everything you can do only targets one land that's basically the only thing that you need to know. <laughs> That's the big rule that got left out of everything. Uh, um, so speaking of wingspan and tapestry, um, I think we're wrapping up like most. I think we've covered most of our Have thoughts. We? I feel like I we're mean, getting into it. <laughs> in in one way or another, I think we've touched on most things. Um, but I, I listed wingspan as ta and tapestry as two games that the players may not need to know everything before they start playing. And... I think that's a credit to Stonemeyer Games. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Stegmeyer has a design philosophy that he doesn't want people to make game uh, game significant decisions before they're like well into the game. 
And that's, I've heard him talk about that as one of his design philosophies. And it really does show in his games that you can kind of just explain some of the light ground rules and say, now let's just start. And I also call these um, uh, strategy finding games that when you start, there is no strategy. You can't have a strategy when you start. You just have to start doing things and then the strategy just kind of manifests itself yep. um, at some point in the game where it's like, oh, now I see that like because I have these things set in place, now I can see an avenue to yep. getting more points or and a lot of times to my goal with games like that or just in general, I'll say the best way to learn this is to just make a choice and see how it plays out. Yeah. And the problem is a lot of people go into a new game and they're like, I want to win, right? Yeah. It's the natural desire. There's a lot of people who are pretty competitive too. And so they'll learn a new game and go, I want to win. Yeah. And so the thing is the first game, when you figure out who ends up winning, it actually rarely matters. Yeah. You might even say that winning doesn't matter in general. I, I think we've talked about that yep. in the previous episode. <laughs> it was a couple of um, episodes ago. And um, it's a great question. But with the first game, it's so much, so much less important than anything else. Because mm-hmm. the goal of, the, of playing the f- game for the first time is only to learn it. Yeah. Um, and if you all learned it, then that's a success. Yeah. The, the, like, that's all you have to do. And so it's actually important to emphasize that say very clearly at the, towards the beginning this is this is just a practice game we're here to learn it mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who wins because that will actually be create a sense of relief in a lot of people um whether or not they're the one who's trying to win or the one who gets ran over by someone else who's trying to win they could just go okay we can just learn it and what that actually does is it makes a lot of the other issues just go away as well so there's been a lot of times where I've taught a game and McKay and I both, I think, I don't remember if you mentioned it before the episode, before we started recording or during the recording. So <laughs> I'll reiterate it either way. Um, we'll be teaching a game and someone will bring up middle to the late, late game, something that like they try to do something. And then you have to go, Oh, you actually can't do that. Um, and they'll be like, what? You never told me that. But the truth is you did tell them that it's just that it was in the middle of, so many other rules that 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 one was the one that slipped their mind and the reality is it's totally not on anyone really maybe you could have done better to emphasize it maybe you could have reminded them as you maybe saw what they were trying to do like you might be able to catch oh i think that they might think that this is allowed and that's possibly true but if no one actually cares about winning which you can't really completely eliminate that desire but like if everyone's like oh we're here to learn then something like that even becomes a non-issue because it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. I've missed a rule, whatever. Now I know it, and then it's it's okay instead of that's actually going to cost me the game because winning the game doesn't matter. Right. Um, so you're there's a lot of it's just super helpful. I think one other thing that I would bring up it, it just came to mind, so I think I should say it. The exact opposite of games that are like, yeah, let's just like play and you'll figure out your way through. <laughs> The exact opposite that came to mind was Res Arcana. And I bring it up because I know, you know, Res Arcana, right? I love that game. It is one that like from the beginning, the first decision that you make just has so much weight on how the entire rest of the game is going to go for you. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> but anyway, <laughs> on along that along that vein, but not really. Um, showing rather than telling goes a long way. Really um, and we'll bring it back to Res Arcana because they have an amazing symbol library that when you first see that game, it is completely overwhelming. But yep. once you learn just a few of the symbols, even it just all starts snapping together yeah. in your head. Oh, I think I was going to say Seven Wonders Duel has, is the exact same way, or Seven Wonders in general, where there's oh, yeah. just a lot of iconography. Mm -hmm. um, I was just bringing that up. A lot of yeah. iconography, and eventually it becomes actually really clear. Sometimes we go through this entire podcast and we like don't reference a game. <laughs> we just talk about the ideas of them. The concept. So. But isn't that great? <laughs> isn't that what actually is, is exciting to talk about? That's true. It. Yeah, but we do try and name drop games just so that you know kind of like our preferences and what we uh, have played and what we enjoy <clears throat> when we can. All right. Um, one of the other things we have here on the list, um, which I think is one that is easy to um, implement, super easy to implement this implement and to forget just That's because <laughs> you're you're excited to play the game right yeah, like that's like why you're all there in. you your goal is to get people from knowing nothing about the game to being basically functional as fast as possible but leaving gaps and segmenting the game into clear concepts where you can just like stop and be like does this portion make sense does it make sense how you get that's from a great point uh sit from a village to a city what are they in Catan? oh i think Damn. that's right um, <laughs> Ew, content. <laughs> um, <laughs> you say that, but you also defend Monopoly, so I don't know if I can trust. I you. had to defend Monopoly to somebody else on Instagram the other day. Ugh. I feel like you're just gonna keep on doing that. You're just creating angst in the world for both you and everyone. No, else. no, no, no. I'm not creating <laughs> angst. I'm just kidding. I appreciate. I actually appreciate your perspective on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> somebody was spreading false information about Monopoly, so I had to set the record straight. Yeah, especially. Oh, oh, but this is actually fun because it was based on um, a study that was faulty. So I was actually criticizing oh. the study more than I was criticizing or defending Monopoly. The The statistic was that there's a 12 percent chance that a game of Monopoly will never end, that it will proceed indefinitely. Yeah, there was a group of research students that ran simulations of Monopoly <clears throat> and they did find that there are certain situations in which Monopoly can go on indefinitely. However, they were playing with like some very specific rules, meaning that they only played with two player games. It's impossible for a game of Monopoly to go on forever if you have over two players. And they were playing with like a very, um, I guess you could say inhuman upgrade structure for houses and hotels. So there were artificial barriers set in place for the program to work, such as it will never spend more money than like it won't go below $500. If that's like a choice, then it won't do it. It couldn't Which... auction or bid. There was no trading. So there were a lot of these things that were just like fundamental to monopoly. It's like, oh, well, then it isn't the same. Yeah, no, that, exactly. That makes sense. So it's like that's, a simulation where they, uh, you know, a chess player won't do a risky move. Exactly. It's like, so well, I don't, I actually don't know if that's maybe risks are never actually good in chess. I don't if know if you're playing, if you're playing against a computer 
then yes, maybe it never would. Well, if two players are computing are complaining, <laughs> I can't say it. If two computers are playing against each other, then yes, maybe it never will end. But <laughs> if you have human beings who are yeah, prone yeah. to taking risks, making trades, and anyway, I have a question. I'll probably cut out that entire. So thing. you said two. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. We're. It's all fine. Um, two players. If you're playing two players, there's a chance it ends or doesn't end. And if you're playing with more people, there's no chance. What happens when one person loses a lot of money and then it's basically a two-player game? So fun fact about um, <clears throat> Monopoly, it generally ends when the first player goes bankrupt. Oh, it's a you're the loser kind of game? That's um, the no, then you, then you calculate who has that. the most assets. Oh, so you could the theoretically... Whole... The whole draining people to empty last in Monopoly standing. is not part of the rules. Last Man Standing is typically a terrible game. The the yeah. game, the card game, um, Egyptian Rat Screw is one of the names for it. I'm sure there's other ones. <laughs> I actually CRS. really love that game. <laughs> oh, no, I hate it. Because the way that it works is that you're flipping cards from the top of your deck and everyone flips one card at a time around in a circle. And if mm-hmm. there's ever a pair or like a sandwich, which is like two, and then anything, and then another two. Yeah. Or a jack. I don't remember exactly all of it. So it, it's basically somebody took war and slapjack and every other crappy card game and smashed it into a horrible game. All it is Egyptian is whoever could slap a certain thing the fastest gets the cards. <laughs> okay. But the problem is they get the entire stack of cards, <laughs> and then you go until everyone runs out of cards except for one person, which mm-hmm. basically means it goes on for an insane amount of time. Yeah. It's terrible. No, so, so when standing... I say I love that game, I have fond memories of that game. Do I want to play it? No. <laughs> Same <laughs> with, uh, yeah, anyway. So anyway, I do, I do have to put that caveat there. <clears throat> okay. Are we ready to like summarize really quick? Yeah. Just like our like format. The main, the main thing, the main things you need to remember is think about who you're playing with, who you're teaching. Think about mm-hmm. it. Just start thinking about it. Maybe even ask some questions. Say, like, what would help you the most here? Create a lot of relief. And you can do that by letting them have space for questions, making sure that it no one is... Essentially, you want to eliminate the, feel, the, the potential for someone to feel dumb by mm-hmm. saying, this doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how fast you learn, how quickly, how easily, whatever. We're all here trying to learn the game together. We're actually cooperating, even if it's a competitive game. Um, mm-hmm. And create space for questions. Say no question is a dumb question, right? Like that, you know, that's the the classic teacher thing. <laughs> um, and a and... part of that alleviating pressure might be in the tone that you do it with, which I oh, think absolutely. is setting up the game, taking a really ridiculous st- stance of being like, we're explorers on this island to find arnak and just set it up at like and allow that space for humor it's like yes we're here to compete quote unquote i'm doing air quotes since you can't see me we're here to compete but really like let's have fun and let's be silly yeah that's great and then um similarly or on along that note um get people excited primarily don't get them ready to learn necessarily but get them interested in what this game is and what is going on thematically. That's going to be the best way to make someone excited to play the game. Like, Mm -hmm. and this is not true for everyone, but like, that's just typically, I think really important to remember. Um, And then lastly is, I think 
eliminate any chaos you can. So just try to make it as simple as you can, as well put together, as well thought out. Be prepared. Know the game you're playing. Know how to play the game. Know how to answer questions. Be ready for those kinds of things because as soon as there's chaos, as soon as there is um, a break in the flow, like it can actually genuinely affect the momentum and people's mm -hmm. experiences because if they have to sit for five mi minutes in the middle of the game waiting for you to find a rule in the rule book, that can genuinely affect people's moods. And um, I personally wish that people were just more patient. But <laughs> anyways, I'm just joking. Nah. Nah. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I End, think. Ended on an insult. Sorry, yes. guys. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to get a get critical. No. And I really think, like, it is an art. Be patient with yourself when teaching games. Um, not everybody is. I, I genuinely enjoy teaching a game. It's one of the. I I sat down and evaluated why I like games so much a while back and I was like it's sharing. I like to share my yeah. love of experiences and excitement Me with too. people. Me so too. it's like if I can't teach a game to people and if I can't share that a huge part of my enjoyment of the hobby goes away. Yep. And so it it is a process and you may not enjoy it inherently, but take it as a little bit of a challenge to just like how can I make this situation that we're in as pleasant as possible and understand yep. that it's frustrating to learn a new game sometimes, especially when someone else is quote unquote winning. Um, yeah, just it's, it's a fun time to share things that you love and experiences with other people. And the more seamlessly you can do that, uh, it's there's, there's immense fulfillment to be had there. Yep. I'll also say um, learning to be a good teacher is actually a long process. So have patience with yourself. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We're going to go to the post show. Um, post show is where we just get to talk about anything. It's usually games, but post show. no guarantees. We just, we need to talk. <laughs> so. Evan. What's we have up? so much to talk about. <clears throat> yeah, um, we do. I haven't started Legacy of Gravehold yet, which is embarrassing. Oh my and god. I have. You have? Is it good? Let me just say this. <laughs> the design team keeps on being really innovative. I'm okay. not certain exactly how I feel about the campaign itself yeah um we'll see as it plays out but so far they their design chops are still yeah really good cool. good yeah. it's it's two campaigns right i think so yeah <laughs> it's two from what i've under from what i understand it's two campaigns that intersect at some point yeah. do they which blows my oh. mind that's spooky. I've that's heard exciting. that it does, but I do you say it's less yeah. exciting. No, that's very exciting. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it is. Should it be? <laughs> anyway, I need to get it started. I I pushed our other, I pushed our group a little bit hard to finish the last one, and I yeah. think we've needed a little bit of a breather from Eon's end, For sure. just a little bit. So that's why I'm not pushing the issue. 
but I am very excited to casually bring up. And here's this 40 pound box that we need to. Dive yeah, into. I got really lucky <laughs> and all my housemates right now really like the game, like just really yeah. like Yonzen. And so that that is one of the reasons why I've played it as much as I have, because I've had people around me who are excited, like two of them um, don't play games super often. And yeah. but for some reason, like Eons and hooked them. And so it's just that it's just been awesome. really great for that reason. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> really quick in other news, and then I'll turn it over to you for your uh, gaming adventures as of late. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had some friends over. They expressed that they really liked the last time we did an escape room game. It was the unlock one of the unlock games. And I was like, you know what? I have an unlock game, a Sherlock Files game and an mm -hmm. exit game all waiting mm -hmm. to be played. What do you say we do an escape room game marathon, marathon? and we Let's can decide go. which one we want, like which one we like most. And so we That's did. Awesome. We played back to back games of the Sherlock Files from which it's from the same people do Eon's End. It's indie boarding card. Oh, yeah. Um, the Sherlock Files. Then we did, um, we did Exit after that, and then we ended with Unlock. And I can't say definitively because I've only done one Exit game, and I've played almost all of the Unlock games. Um, I think I like Unlock more. Oh, I have some played, things. I've done two Exit games. Okay, that's all I've done. Um, which it's hard because if you were to compare the Exit game that we played to some of the unlock games that I've played in the past. Yes, they had similar pitfalls. Just a couple clues that were like, how in the world did you get there? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And <laughs> after you get the hint, it's just like, well, that's stupid. Well, now I get it. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> um, and it just felt like that happened a little bit too much with Exit. Um, there were a couple really cool things that almost made up for it. But yeah. It was also hard because the unlock game that we played that night was probably one of the one of the best I've played. Um, so anyway, I can't say definitively yet, but um, I did enjoy. I enjoyed unlock a lot. So tell me, what have you been playing, Evan? Um, I I've been playing. So actually, one of the games that I've been playing kind of pretty often surprisingly is this game called pictomania um okay. it is a party game from czech uh games edition um that i learned at gen con with um some you know just people at gen con um it was during the um chair chris the charity board gamers um board game content yeah. creator meetup that Very was a cool. ton of fun um but yeah i played pictomania there and i was like this is great it's a great party game i gotta get it and it's been a lot of fun showing to people and playing with them because it's, it's a drawing game, but it's got a it's got a great twist and it's just a ton of fun. Um, Interesting. So I've really enjoyed having that as an option for like the six person kind of play groups. Um, and then other than that, it's not been a ton, but I will say this. I have been behind on logging my plays for games. I typically keep track of every game I play. Um mm -hmm. And I have been really behind and I don't remember <laughs> when the last time I logged what game I, I haven't, I haven't been playing a ton of games. And so that's maybe partially both why, and also maybe hopefully it'll help when I'm trying to like, cause I eventually just have to like catch up and just like, remember all I've played recently. And let me think, let me see when the last, 
Oh my god, I'm looking through my notes. The last time I logged a play was February 17th, and it's April 8th right now while we're recording. Wow. So That's nearly two months, I just like didn't log a play, which is, I'm stressed now, because I need to go back <laughs> and try to remember somehow all the games I've played in the last month and a half, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's good luck I, on that. But if I don't do that, then I might just like never log plays again. And I don't want to do that. So yeah. that's my story. <clears throat> so this might be fun. I'm going to go through my month of March and just tell you all of the games that I logged just really quick. Okay, do it. Silver and gold brew. Great game. Mystic Vale, fleet. The dice game. Red Dragon Inn. Nice. Whirling Witchcraft, Tiny Towns, Boggle, <laughs> Ink and Gold, Fuji Flush, uh, Rolling Realms, Wavelength, Pebble Rock Delivery Service, Guillotine, and My City. Nice. I don't think so. The only ones that doubled up were the Red Dragon Inn and Whirling Witchcraft because we played them twice in a row those yep. nights. Nice. And this, my friends, is how I play games. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds like it. If yeah, you look at the I, last the last couple plays that I logged, it was in February. I was in the middle. I was playing a ton of Flesh and Blood in February, preparing for some mm-hmm. events I was going to. And so in February, if you look at like the last week of the plays I was logging, it was like Flesh and Blood five times, Flesh and Blood two times, <laughs> Flesh and Blood once, and then like Rift Force, Azul a couple times, and then Sequence. That was a good day. <laughs> That's a good day. Max versus minions and crokinole one day, then flesh and blood four times, flesh and blood five times, and then flesh and blood. Are you ready for this? February 17th, flesh and blood 13 times. Oh, I played it 13 wow. times a day. The games go by in like 30 minutes. And if you're if you're playing really quickly, it can even be faster. And if you're like so like getting 13 games in was a lot, but it wasn't like a lot. <laughs> playing it wasn't the same as like playing Red Dragon in 13 times. Right. um i really need to play rift force um it's really good and i did tell you i bought a crokinole board no that's awesome i don't have it here yet it was a kickstarter so i'm Uh, waiting for it to come mayday yeah the mayday ones yeah that's the the brand that you said you got i think so it's the affordable ones yeah um I really want to get one day like a really nice one though because i think that's going to be one of those things that when i'm like just like when I have dispensable money, when whenever when it, um, <laughs> no, I do obviously because I buy board games regularly. But um, <laughs> just as one thing, like I think when my kids are older, I think it'll be like a Christmas present one year that it's just like That'd we get awesome. a nice crokinole board and it's like this is the family crokinole board and I expect this to be around forever. I expect <laughs> forever. <hilarious>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Awesome. Anyway. Awesome. Um, but other than games, anything else, Evan, going on in your life? Which, I've if it's not for the masses, more. we can stick on after and we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> not everything that's been going on will probably be for the masses. Or at least, <laughs> more accurately, it's pretty much impossible for me to say everything that's been going on in the last month. That's fair. In the time frame we have left for the podcast recording. <laughs> Well, if we're sticking to our time, we have about a minute and a half, so we're going to go a little bit longer. All right, I got to go really fast. No. Um, yeah, I've actually, so I, I don't know if I, I didn't say it really. I haven't been playing as many games in general. I've actually been mm-hmm. um, spending a lot more time reading, a lot more time 
doing some writing, although that's not really time consuming. It's kind of just whenever I have inspiration, I guess I write, I write poetry. Um, mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily, like I said, time consuming, been spending more time. I don't know, sitting around, like literally doing more resting, which has been really <laughs> good because for good. a long time. And what, one thing that's um, a part of that weirdly is I haven't been spending as much, like very much time. And you'll notice um, if you look at my YouTube channel, we haven't posted a video in a long time. Um, yeah. And that's because we haven't been grinding to make videos. And that has been, I'm not going to talk too much about that, but like what it has been is um, be because I haven't been spending time kind of like trying to do something be productive a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of it came down to like for a long time i was just obsessed with like being productive in some time and if i didn't do anything if i was like not accomplishing something i would feel pretty bad about myself and so lately i've actually been able to rest well that's been really mm -hmm. good so i actually have been good. off social media as well um that's been part of that um so, good work yeah. way to spend time on you um yeah it's a I'm definitely self-care and self-care is great but yes. self-care as it's talked about is often not great self-care i'm not going to go into this right now i, I have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> about this think about very, that everyone. very off topic about that no but it's uh <laughs> whatever <laughs> doesn't make any sense um along those same it. notes i have been trying to keep a better like keep better track of how much time I'm spending on social media, how worth it is yeah. to me. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I enjoy a lot of things about that. I enjoy relationships like we have that have yeah, come through it. But I, I think I'm headed into probably a low key month for social media. Um, yeah. And I just, and that's for a lot of my mental health. Um, I've been exercising more, which is super fun. Um, me too. <clears throat> I've been doing, doing spin. yoga. Oh yes. I do oh. yoga on Tuesday spins on Monday, Friday. Nice nice monday wednesday awesome. why did i say friday that was weird i don't know anyway <laughs> because it's friday right yeah it's that's friday true today. it is friday um <laughs> but yeah so i i think that this is actually worth kind of touching on this podcast is often about how to be a gamer and how to do it well because being a gamer mm -hmm. involves a lot of things it involves time money and relationships and yep you know and your brain space like your mind space all those things are such important things no learning how to steward your time steward your mind space steward your um money and stewarding your relationship is basically like all of the things right and mm -hmm. if being a if playing games is getting in the way of your time your money your mind space and your relationships in a way that's like not genuinely worth it then like again evaluate it we we, we mentioned yeah. that on a i don't remember what episode it was but we like emphasized multiple times like i think it was oh, i don't remember but um it's just important to be aware of what you're giving your life to and sometimes it's okay to take a step back or to ask those questions and the answer can be anything and just be ready for whatever the answer is that's basically what we talked about do you remember what episode that was Oh, geez. <clears throat> I mean, we hit on a similar vein as that a lot. <laughs> but 
that is basically like, the the cast <laughs> yeah like self-aware and also like aware of other people's like yeah yeah anyway so i don't know exactly <laughs> everyone go watch all of our previous uh or go listen to all of our previous episodes and tell us which one it was <laughs> everyone, everyone go listen to all of the episodes and get back to us because we don't remember was it <laughs> was it the one about cheating no <laughs> you know what it was i think it was the one that we that is called the not post show where we accidentally talked about it. Oh, that one was actually one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I think it was too. Where the whole thing we were just like, so that people this know what it's about. This was a post show, but we decided it shouldn't be a post. It show. might have been life lessons through board games. I don't know. They're all good, anyway. you know. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I've enjoyed every awesome. one of our talk seven. I have too. Some of them have been messy, but that's okay too. <laughs> um that's probably a good spot to wrap this up we've gone a bit over what we usually do but is that even um, true i feel like we always go over what we usually do which is starting to make me think that we usually <laughs> we need to adjust our expectations yeah a lot of them are a mid- an hour and 10 minutes really even <laughs> after editing i mean you're the one who's editing oh, <laughs> thank man. you by the way no problem <laughs> not i don't know it's maybe i don't know maybe just some of them <laughs> all right well um if you want to find more of me and evan evan is being friends official on instagram being friends on youtube um <clears throat> that's the name he's also being friends but the name of the channel is being friends um i'm the board game critic and that's where i'm critical no um <clears throat> this is where i'm the most critical and we've discussed we're, we're like good cop bad cop <laughs> really that's not true critiquing everything and i'm just saying no 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 no. it's good to be nice <laughs> if no, you look it's at actually... evan's like logo and everything it's like bright and colorful mine is black and white <laughs> exactly it's actually though almost more so is like the being friends channel is like very positive very like it's all about connecting with other people and then this is where i get moody i think <laughs> good i get a little bit more like you know what? Sometimes I'm mad. <laughs> I think I bring. It's... I think I bring you down. <laughs> no, I'm just honest here. Okay. Being on being friends, I'm completely inauthentic. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually pretty authentic on, on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you've seen on being friends is the opposite of me. I'm actually a jerk. We should probably just make this into like the McKay and Evan unfiltered show. <laughs> it literally ends up becoming just like group therapy. <laughs> we just that's what it should be. Things. Anyway. <laughs> Thank I love you that all. idea because it sounds like <laughs> we literally just didn't know what else to do. And we're like, we just got to talk about this. And we like have this platform. So we're just using it. And it sounds <laughs> so funny to me. I mean, it's not it's not far from the truth. So with you that happened, do you know what happened the other day? <laughs> no, like, stop. That's, what, that's, stop. that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Every podcast episode is just like us being kind of mad about something. That sounds like uh, a terrible podcast. Maybe a terrible podcast. Maybe a great podcast. I'm not if sure. you like the people, I think it actually be pretty entertaining to listen to but we should do an episode where we're just ranting. <laughs> no, you just rant. I don't just rant about random things. No, be prepared because... for when we use our audience as a science you know experiment. We can, we can do an episode <laughs> where we rant about um, mental health. Yes, we could. I mean, board games and I'm mental health neither of us are probably qualified for that either, though. <laughs>
I think about I mean, it a lot. Does that count? So here's the thing. How many people are life coaches, quote unquote, life coaches who are that aren't actually like qualified to be a life coach? It's like, hey, just because I have you a life that is falling to, apart that they should eat cake when they want to. That doesn't mean that you are life coach of, on self-care. Right. Right. That is the moral of the story. <laughs> eat cake when and you if want you learn to, nothing else with this world. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you no, learn uh, nothing else from this episode, it's that because you do something you successfully, I'm just kidding. It does not it. mean you are qualified to do anything. <laughs> That's right. Just like us with teaching games. Exactly. And, and we admit to, to that. Games. So I do we... want to say this is um, kind of useless at this point, because if people are still listening to this, then I just don't know what's happening. in the world. <laughs> um, Why are you still no, here? But the... <laughs> We'll post in the show notes. There's a couple um, YouTube videos that have helped me that are on this topic, and it's just more resources. They're going to be saying a lot of things that I said, at least probably maybe you too, because um, I've seen those videos and they're great advice. So I couldn't not say some of those things. So we'll make sure that you you get to get to learn from the best. It's a video from Shut Up and Sit Down and a video from Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. So it's like, yeah, they're the best. Two great ones. Yep. Anyways. Awesome. <laughs> okay, well, this ended in a weird place, but signing off, please come back for a, our next I think episode. That was a funny, a funny ending. <laughs>